over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. It's a little different from other bigger pocket shows. We're going to be bringing on people who aren't necessarily real estate investors, I should say. Okay. Economists. Um, our first guest was the chief correspondent, uh, economics correspondent for the Wall Street Journal, for example. Hmm. Okay. Uh, bringing on people like that who can help us understand <clears throat> macroeconomics, what's going on in the world, because that's sort of my jam. And uh, yeah. those are the people I want to talk to. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here, guys. If this is your first time showing up on this podcast, thank you, welcome, I appreciate being here. If you love it, if it just changes your life in ways that cannot be explained or measured, please give me a rating and review. I would appreciate it so much. I know us podcasters are constantly begging for that, but it means a lot and it helps us get found and it's just free to you. So why not just spread the love if you really are enjoying this? Please do that. If you've been listening to this for a long time, if you're a, a longtime listener and you've enjoyed it for many years, then and you haven't given me a rating review, shame on you. You are really jeopardizing our relationship. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but please give me a rating review if you haven't done so already. All right. On today's show, I have a very special guest, uh, a very smart man. He is the VP of, and let me get this right, he's the VP of Data and Analytics for Bigger Pockets. He analyzes the market. And he has a new podcast called On the Market that is uh, on the Bigger Pockets lineup. And uh, he's been an investor for 12 years. He lives in Colorado, or he used to live in Colorado. He doesn't anymore. Uh, just a very smart guy. And I want to have him on because one of the most uh, common questions I get nowadays is what's going on with the market? What's happening? Our house price is going to go down. Our rent's going to go down. Is it a good time to be a landlord? Is it a good time to flip houses? Should I build houses? Should I build apartments? Like, What's going on? What should I be doing? And he helps us get to the bottom of that and clarify a lot of those questions. And I think you're going to love this interview. I had a good time interviewing him. And he's just a fun guy to talk to you, which is always awesome, right? So without any further ado, I give you David Meyer. All right, Dave, man, I appreciate you being here. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate your time. This is going to be awesome. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, I've had a chance to watch your latest podcast endeavor with Bigger Pockets. Uh, it's called On the Market. It's, uh, I think, the newest one that they have offered in their lineup. And, uh, 
Uh, I know you're a, you're a total pro here, so and I'm excited to talk to you because you're just what you're great at is something that I wing it a little bit, and so uh, <laughs> you're you're gonna be good. To, you're, I'm gonna basically extract as much as I can from you, and that's gonna guide me for the next year, and then probably the evil plan would be to have you back on in a year to sort of course correct and let me know where I need to go from there, and obviously tuning into your podcast. So uh, again, thanks for doing this, man. And if you could, for those of us who do not know who you are or haven't had the chance to listen to your podcast, can you please give us a little bit of background so we know who we're talking to, give us some context, and then we'll kind of dive into your expertise. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, of course, my name is Dave Meyer. I'm the vice president of data and analytics at Bigger Pockets, And I've been a real estate investor for about 12 years. I started pretty much right out of college. I was waiting tables in Denver. I graduated into uh, the Great Recession. It was pretty tough to get a job, and I was just looking for a way to make some money. And luckily, I went skiing with a friend one day who was telling me about this amazing rental property he bought, and he was making all this money. And I thought, man, if, if this guy could do it, I'm going to try and do it as well. But um, I had no money, so I, I found some partners. I was able to borrow my one fourth of the down payment um, <laughs> from a family member um, with a you know with terms and a secondary lien on everything, um, and made that happen. And I was uh, I was hooked after that. And you know my career outside of real estate started to evolve over several years. I went to grad school and got a master's degree in data science and data analytics um, and was just really looking for this job. And I was just started Googling um, real estate technology because I loved analytics. I love real estate. It's like, I have to be able to combine these two things <laughs> yeah, for my there career. There must be some marriage here of, of right? analytics yeah. and, and, and uh, real estate. And this was you know six or seven years ago. And so there wasn't actually that much out there. But there was kind of this like smaller website based in Denver where I lived, and uh, I applied and got a job at Bigger Pockets, and that was six or seven years ago. And nice. since then, um, I've had a lot of jobs there. But what I do now, I'm super excited about. My my job is to manage all the data. So I do internal data analytics, the normal stuff that you would see at a software company. But I also get to analyze the housing market and real estate strategies and emerging trends. Um, and it's something I love. I started doing it actually during COVID because people were freaking out and they're like, what is happening to the rental market? And so I started writing articles about yeah. what I saw in the market and people really liked it. Um, and that has evolved to the point where we just launched, like you said, a new brand, which is called On the Market. It is a new podcast and YouTube channel. And we talk about just that data, trends, current events, things that impact the world of real estate investors. Now, I was wondering, because I watched I watched it on YouTube. I know it's a podcast, but I watched it on YouTube. And you had a cool little uh, office area there with a the table and a bunch of mics. Is that like in your home or is that a bigger pocket studio that they've got for you there? Neither. So um, oh. I actually live in Amsterdam in, in Europe. Oh. And so I am uh, there right now. But our show is sort of a roundtable style show. And we all wanted to meet each other in person for the pilot. So we all mm. flew to Denver where Bigger Pockets headquarters was and we rented a studio. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. That that That's awesome, actually. So the folks, and this is something I don't know, the folks that are in the roundtable, is that a revolving chair of people or is that those are the co-hosts and they're going to be on every show? It's it's 
a little bit of both. We have four regular panelists and we'll have between one and three of them on every show. In our pilot, we had all four, gotcha. but we're expecting just to have one or one to three on, and then we'll be bringing on guests. Um, and it's a little different from other bigger pocket shows. We're going to be bringing on people who aren't really, uh, or aren't necessarily real estate investors. I should say okay. economists. Um, our first, uh, guest was the chief correspondent, uh, economics correspondent for the wall street journal, for example, hmm, okay. uh, bringing on people like that who can help us understand <clears throat> macroeconomics, what's going on in the world. Cause that's sort of my jam. And, uh, yeah. those are the people I want to talk to. So just, uh, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of breakneck uh, changing subjects a little bit, but go back, go back to that first deal that you did where you were one fourth owner. I, I missed it. Did you say it was a single family? Was it a multifamily? What was that? It was a multifamily. It was okay. a fourplex, fourplex in Denver, uh, in a great neighborhood. And, you know, when you just starting out, I didn't even know how good a deal I had found, you know, what year are we talking about now? Got lucky 2010. Okay. And so what did a fourplex cost in Colorado in 2010? <laughs> what did you have to pay for that? People are going to get mad when they hear this, if they haven't, if they haven't <laughs> been in the game for a long time, but I paid four fifty seven for that. Um, and you know, now you can't even find a, you know, you yeah. can't even find an 800 square foot bedroom on the outskirts of town. So you for paid four fifty seven. Okay. Don't reveal this. Let's don't get ahead of me, but do you still own it? I don't. Oh, you don't. I was going to say that must be worth $20 million. No, I'm just kidding. It's probably it worth a lot It was worth more. a lot when I sold it. Yeah. I, I sold it recently. Okay. Um, okay. And it, you know, nearly tripled. All right. So listen, you sold it recently. Am I to deduce from that as this oracle of all things that's happening in the market that you know it's all going to crash and burn very soon. <laughs> and so you got out of it, got all your equity out and said, yes, I beat the system. Why did you sell it? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, I, so I, I said recently. It, it feels recently because time over the last few years is confusing, but it was in 2018. So okay. it wasn't that recent. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but no, I it honestly had a lot of deferred maintenance um, on my own part, mm -hmm. and it needed serious work. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I work full time at Bigger Pockets. You know, I had just finished grad school. I just didn't want that, and so I sold it. Um, you know, I had partners too, so there's people wanted cash out. You know, there's I got gotcha. you, yeah, yeah, interests. But you know, ten thirty one exchanged it into oh, nice. additional properties, so I didn't take any equity out of the market. Okay. Reinvested it, um, and yeah, trying to keep it in. And just to your question, uh, I'm sure you're being a little bit facetious, but um, <laughs> a um, little. You know, despite being someone who loves looking at the market, because I think understanding the housing market and macroeconomics impacts your strategy. I'm yeah. not someone who's like trying to pull in and out of the market and get in and out. Sure. Like I just look at different kinds of markets, different types of deals, depending on the market. But I think, you know, as most people say, time in the market is more important than timing the market. And even, um, you know, as I've developed this expertise on the housing market, I don't personally like try and sell at the exact right moment yeah. and only buy at a certain moment. I think that you're way better off just sticking with a strategy over a long term and, and you're going to do well in real estate if you if gotcha. you have that sort of long-term outlook. All right. P part of this interview, I'm just going to tell you, I, I already know this about myself and anybody who knows me knows this. I am probably going to throw my half-baked, harebrained, black, you know, 
all black or white theories at you and just sort of Let's see what what a what a smart person would say to it. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I so, love this. So, so number one, here's what I I, I listened to that that first uh, podcast you did, and you were asking the panelists like, what do you think is going to happen with the price of houses? Are they going to go up or down? It's like I think it's going to go up by seven percent. I think it's going to go up by ten percent. And I'm listening to this going. Okay, here's what I think, and tell me how dumb this is. You, but the reason I'm asking is you just said staying in, in real estate long term is like kind of the, the goal, right? I, it, it seems to me when I look at real estate over, not, not micro, right, but over the course of several decades, I always tell people, and, and then I'm going to have to stop telling them this if you shake your head and go, no, dude. But here's <laughs> what I have observed. If you look at it in the micro... It, it goes up and down, like over the course of maybe a couple of decades, it goes up and down. But if you like pan out 50 or 60 years, you see that while it is going up and down, it's going up and down on a steady upward trend, right? So like up, down, up, That's down, right. but always up to some extent. Okay, good. So that is true. So here's here's my, my sort of half-baked theory on what's happening and what's going to happen. It seems to me that if what I just said is true and real estate always sort of goes up and down in the, in the, in the micro you know, sense that the fact that it's so up right now, it's like saying, I'm going to throw a ball in the air and I don't expect it to ever come back, right? We know if you throw a ball in the air, it comes down. We know that real estate goes up and down, even if it's on a continuous upward trend, it goes up and down the short term. So my theory is it's got to come down. And, And I just, it's unprecedented that it would be up much longer than this. What do you think? That That's my theory. No, I, I generally agree with you. I, I normally say, that over the last couple of months, my general thinking has been that the prices will come down sometime between 2022 and 2024. I don't know exactly when that is, Okay, um, but I agree. I mean, it can't go up forever. It has to follow normal economic cycles. And in recent weeks, I've started to think that will be sooner. I just anecdotally noticing demand slipping a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm looking for deals right now and you just notice a little bit less competition. And I mean, man, there's still like seven offers on every property, but it was 30. And like, that's a significant difference. Um, And so I do think we're going to see things at least flatten out probably by the end of the year, whether they go negative and when they go negative is really hard to predict, but for sure, interest rates are just going up so much faster than I thought, than I think anyone thought. I mean, everyone knew they were going to go up, but not, I didn't see this coming at at this speed. Um, And that's going to just, it hurts affordability. Not as many people can buy into the market and that's going to decrease overall demand. And if we didn't have such low inventory, the market would already be going down in my opinion. But inventory is just so low that it's providing some continued to support for uh, for housing prices. And I, I put something on Instagram today that said like affordability and inventory are battling for the future of the housing market right now. And like, that's sort of how I see it. And, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to go because there are a lot of other factors like inflation and how crappy other asset classes look right now. You know, there's so many things in play, but I do think your general thesis is right. Like it can't go up forever it will go down. I don't think we're talking about a crash like yeah. you saw in 2007 where right. prices went down 18%. I think 5 7% is probably yeah. maybe a reasonable amount. And housing just 
for the record, typically bounces back pretty quick. And so that's sort of what I would, that's just historical. Like, of course, yep. things can be different, um, but that that's historically what happens. So I think is the most probable, but at the same time, I also still think I'm still looking for deals, at least yeah. even knowing that because of that long-term. Well, philosophy. listen, I, I, you know, people ask me this stuff, all, they, people will say, and I'm sure they say this to you. I'm thinking about getting into the market. I'm thinking about buying rentals. I'm thinking about flipping houses. I'm thinking about doing whatever is now a good time. And, and I always say, if you're like trying to, you know, day trade or time this thing, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but like always get in because it's always a good time. You're, you're going to wish you did 10 years from now. Like you're not going to worry about the micro whatever movements of the, of the market. So I got a quick question for you. This is, I'll, I'll give you this as an example of maybe a dumb question, but if, if prices are at an all-time high, why is inventory so low? Because here's here's why I'm asking. I would assume that when prices go up like this, anybody who has even an inkling of a thought of selling their house is selling it because they just see all this money on the table. And so you would think with prices being so high, everyone would be selling their house because they've never had this much equity before, unless they were never going to sell, which means they were never going to sell anyway. And that shouldn't affect like normal supply and demand. So if supply is low, but prices are high, why is that? Why aren't people just getting rid of their houses like crazy? That's a great question. And it's, it is sort of a phenomenon that I think myself and other people in this industry have theories on, but um, it's not 100% clear. But I, I think the most likely scenario, well, there's a few factors. Uh, I'll just say that since the Great Recession, we've built very few houses in the U.S., uh, I personally believe that there is a housing in not inventory, but supply shortage. There's just like aren't enough housing units for the population. Okay. Um, so that that's a problem. Um, but overall, inventory is really a function of one, how many houses get listed on the market and two, how many buyers there are. And the amount of houses that get listed on the market is actually pretty good. And I think that's a common misconception that no one is selling their houses, but people are. There's just so much demand that it gets snapped up so quickly that it feels like no houses are on the market because they don't last longer than a week. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that is um, a, a major factor. And then the last thing is I, the market being so competitive, I believe that people don't want to buy back in. They're like, sure, I could get all this equity out, but then I have to you know, buy into this crazy market. I just sold a property a couple of weeks ago and I'm doing a 1031 exchange. Sold at a great time. You know, I think the market is, I actually personally think that we're, we've hit the peak craziness recently. Okay. I don't think prices are going to go down yet. Uh, I think we have a few months, but I think the peak of the craziness has, has hit and is behind us. Um, but now I have to buy into this market and mm. it kind of sucks, you yeah. know, like, especially on a timeline in a 1031. Yep. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's true for, especially for a lot of home buyers, especially for a lot of older folks who just don't, you know, they like their home. Yeah. They, they're maybe they refied and pulled some cash out. And I think we're going to see inventory stay low because of those low interest rates. I heard a stat, I have not independently verified this. I don't know if this is true, but something like 60% of people now have a mortgage under three and a half percent or something like that. And it's like, 
why would you sell now? Yeah, you know, like yeah. you could get a lot of equity, but you would be buying into a rising interest rate markets while prices are still super high. Yeah. So if if prices go down, maybe that will change. But right now, it's not a great time to sell a house. If, yeah. if you're a homeowner, if you're an investor, it actually might be a good time to sell. But yeah, those are my theories at least. But it is a it is a sort of a, a it's more of like a psychological thing than I think it's like a data yeah. uh, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good thing. Now, it, with all due respect to you, and this may seem like a weird question to ask you as a data analyst. <laughs> however, w I mean. You know, people, I hear a lot of people talk about what's going to happen. You know, what do you think is going to happen? And like, you are very smart, but but you're pretty, you're pretty upfront with saying, hey, I don't really know, but this is what I think and this is why. But there are so many people out there that are flat out, and I know it's a lot of clickbait, I get it, but they're they're flat out predicting. Like, the housing market is crashing, You and they're, like, does anybody really know, honestly? Like, is there, like, there's just nobody knows. That's my theory. You don't know. All you can do is look at things and try to figure out based on this thing, and, and this is what I think, and historically, but... Like I get so sick of people like literally stating facts about what the housing market is going to do in the next six months. It's like, come on, man, you don't know. And I liked having you on as a guy who should like people would look to you and say this, if anybody, this guy, and you're saying, listen, we don't know for sure. This is what I think. Yeah. I mean, when you are trained in data analytics or data scientists, science, all of it is probability. It's yeah. just like you yeah. learn to think in probability even your models and the things that you create in Excel or in more sophisticated platforms spit out probabilities. They're like, this is, you know, the probability of the housing market going down is X percent. And you have to know that that 20% is still possible. That's why, you know, when I say things, I try to caveat it because yeah. I, I don't know and no one knows, but I think it's important personally, you know, I, I used to play a good amount of poker and in that, you learn to divorce decisions with from outcomes. Uh, Annie Duke wrote a great book about that, yeah. um, and it's really about you know taking the information that you have, making a good decision. And if the twenty percent or the unlikely scenario comes, like that sucks, but you made a good decision, yeah. uh, and like it was sort of out of your hands. And that that's how I approach investing, at least. Yeah. Um, and I know that's hard for new people to to think that way, but yeah, it's it funny. Is the, the better way to Think. I, I agree I think with about you totally. In the long term. Yep. I'm not a poker guy. I'm a blackjack guy. And it's funny when when I teach like my kids, I was teaching them how to play blackjack. And you t and they say, well, what do I do here? And you like kind of tell them like this is what you like, this is what the right move is, right? And they do it and they lose. And they look at you like, but that was not right. It's like, but it was right. Even though you lost, it was technically the right thing to do, right? Mathematically, you have to do that. So I totally get what you're saying. Um what do you think? Uh, uh, go ahead. Go, go. I was just going to say the thing is, you know, like there is an element of clickbait about the people who yeah, are, sure. um, you know, saying those things. And I think the other thing is just fear. It is, it is a very weird economic situation. I agree. Yeah. This is in my time analyzing the housing market. This is by far the weirdest, most <laughs> uncertain time. Yeah. And people are scared and I, and I get that. And it's, it's a reasonable thing. And people, like you said, see things go up and up and up. And it will come down, but does that mean it's going to crash? Like, I, I right. think the word crash is like really overused and people are like, oh, it's a bubble. 
Yeah. Uh, is a if is a, is a decline of five or ten percent eventually mean it was a bubble? I yeah. personally I don't think so. I think that's a normal psych business cycle. Um, but you know, that's what gets attention and that sort of thing. And totally. I think people are rightfully uncertain about what's gonna happen. Um, but I think like if you're honest and you wanna like be a good investor, you just need to be honest that it is uncertain and you don't know. Yeah. I personally am investing a little more defensively, a little more conservatively than I did in 2015, you yeah. know? And I think that's what I would advise people to do, but like, give it, who would have guessed that this was going to happen, right? Who wow. in March of 2020 would have said we were, we're going to go on the most historic bull run in the housing market in the history of the United States? No yeah. one. So is it, is the, is it possible the housing market's going to crash? Yeah. Is it possible the housing market goes up another 10% before it crashes? Also? Yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. impossible to time the market. And so I think Really, it's like if you can find a good deal, like you said, it's always a good time if the numbers work. Right. And so it's like, don't buy something stupid. Yeah. Don't like behave irrationally. But if the deals work, if the numbers work, then it's always a good time. Totally agree. If someone were to ask you, like if someone were to say to you, hey, I'm I'm actually into new builds. I do new builds. That's sort of my model. And we're going to, we're thinking about breaking ground on a hundred unit apartment building brand new. And it's going to take us. 36 months to complete would you would you call if they were just like a friend of yours and it was like you were out having you know a beer or something would you tell them to tap the brakes like listen i don't know anything like i don't know what's gonna happen but like just tap the brakes that sounds a little scary kind of yeah i i, I think honestly while we're while we are it's kind of this weird dichotomy because we, we sort of have not enough houses in the market but the speed at which like these um subdivisions are coming out and stuff yeah. and hitting the market like demand with interest rates going up this quickly could dry quickly you know mm -hmm. like i i don't know if that will happen but it's possible it's definitely sure. feasible and i also just think the the like the construction cost inflation is is too much that's yeah. what's more concerns yeah. me than about it than then the housing market collapsing cuz it will come back and i think even in a housing market decline i think rents will probably stay pretty solid they don't tend to decline as much right but um man i mean you hear these stories about garage doors appliances oh roofing yeah. lumber yeah and like one thing we don't have a, a line of sight on unfortunately is the end of inflation and so like if you're underwriting something right now that's going to have a three-year build like yeah i don't know that that would that would concern me yeah very much so so let's turn the attention for a minute to rentals what the rental market is very strong in most markets, I, I believe. Um, and, and there could be maybe the house pricing and the prices of houses and things. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's contributing. What do you think the, the, the near term future of the rental market is in the United States? And I know maybe every, you know, there's going to be different responses to different areas. But it, as an overall statement, what are you thinking? Are you are you excited about being a landlord in the next few years or a little concerned? Uh, no, I, I think I still believe in the long-term prospects of rental property investing personally. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's always a subset of the population that can't or doesn't want to be a homeowner yeah. and someone needs to supply housing to those people. And I take that seriously. Like I try and be a great landlord and provide a good product to people. Um, and I think if you have a good product and you are a good landlord, like it's, it's a good business to be in. Yeah. Um, 
I, and, and I encourage people always to like, think about it that way. Like you have a product, they're your customers think about it that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a way to always, you know, have good rents, have low vacancy, have people take care of your homes for you. Um, so I think that's good. I, I do think rent honestly is probably going to keep going up a little bit more. I know it's gone up insanely in some cities and it will have to level out there, but yeah. For as long as inflation sticks around, rent is likely to keep going up, not as at the same pace, but I do think it could go up more than 5% this year, yeah. I would guess. Okay. Um, and, you know, that it's, some of it is because there is a lag, you know, there is a, a decline in rents for a brief period of time. And so we're seeing some yeah. catch up, especially um, people who are locked into longer leases. Like, for example, I actually, sort of panicked myself during COVID and signed a really long lease with someone. And now my rents are like way behind um, market rates. And I think you'll see that like, there'll be this like sort of catch up to market rents. Yeah. Um, and that will show the data going up. Um, but I do think that will also flatten out in, in the near term. And yeah. um, at some point we'll get inflation under control. Wages will stop growing at the same rate and we'll have to see um, rent come down. But like, for better or worse, and, and I don't think this is a good thing for society at all, but I'll just say that like, because housing has gotten so expensive to own a house, like it, people don't necessarily have a good choice. And so if landlords choose to raise rents in a lot of places, people don't have much of a choice. Yeah. I think people should, I don't advocate for landlords taking advantage of people or price gouging or anything like that. Yep. I think you're much off charging a reasonable, affordable rate to someone who is going to take care of your home. But I do think like there is risk of that happening um, in the country right now. I agree. I, I think when it comes to that, like price gouging or taking advantage, it, it's a little bit like treating an employee poorly that works for you. They're They're going to stay with you until they find a better option and they will be looking for a better option. So having a slightly more reasonable rent rate and keeping them for several years because turnover sucks in, in rentals, right? We know oh, yeah. that. Like it's just, it costs money to turn it over. For certainly the vacancy costs you money and people don't calculate that stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of investors are transactional in their mindset. It's like, what will I make in the next couple of months, six months, eight months? Like that's what they think about. And as a, I just actually sold all my rentals in 2021. So I had about 25 and I, I just sold them all. That was my like, that was my tipping my hand of what I think is going to happen. I, I think mm -hmm. that things are going to go a little down. And the houses that I had were, you know, not not low income, but they were like mid to low, like low mid kind of a thing. And and the the amount of equity in them was unreasonable. It was too much for, mm -hmm. for the area. So, uh, and I had some deferred maintenance like you talked about, right? There was a lot of things starting to need to be done. So sold mine off. Um, but I think that long-term mentality of keeping your renters longer is always going to win over trying to gouge them in the short term because they are looking for another place to live. And a lot of renters, especially if you're gouging them and they just don't have money, they're not going to be super worried about breaking the lease and just moving out in the middle of the night. And that just all that stinks, right? So you don't want mm -hmm. that. As you do your job for bigger pockets and as you, you know, you're analyzing the markets and you're writing articles now, what are you finding that are either the most 
surprising things that you're seeing in the market? Or maybe what are the things that people are the most excited about that you that you write about on the Bigger Pockets Forum? Like what gets the most responses from people? What, what is it that people are maybe not necessarily aware of or what should they know more about? Or what would you tell people as someone who analyzes the market? That's a great question. Um, I would say that the thing that people are constantly... I think surprised by uh, recently is how much the housing market is influenced by interest rates and really honestly, how the whole world is influenced by interest rates. Yeah. It's like really pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, and so I, I spend a lot of time trying to explain that. And although I don't necessarily think a big correction is coming, um, the impact of rising interest rates, like can't really be overstated. It is it is important for the entire economy. It is important for the housing market. And there are just some unique factors right now that are, in my opinion, there are some unique factors that are going to prevent an all-out freefall of the housing market and the economy. Um, but you know, rising interest rates does have a negative impact on economic growth. And yeah. so, um, you know, people say, "Oh, it's just forty bucks a month," or so this, you know, it's it's not much, but have to think about everything that goes on here you know refi activity is going to go down and so there's going to be layoffs at mortgage companies you know there's this whole cascading thing that's going to happen um again i don't i'm not like a doom and gloom like i don't think it's going to be horrible i i think you are right though that there is a point where it will go down uh i think the other thing um that uh people really are interested this is kind of random it's different topic is have you heard of like midterm rentals yeah yeah, I have. That's heard of like those. big right now. It's like midterm rentals. People yeah. love them. Yeah, that's um, like the folks that are like renting for like two or three months, right? Is that kind of like it's not short term, it's not long term, just so people know who are listening. Um, and I think a lot of this, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is like a lot of times like n- nurses, like traveling nurses and things sort of take advantage of the midterms. So is that something people are like excited about because it's it's like crushing, right? And like that, is that the move? And I know there's a lot of things you can do, but is that sort of like what people are excited to be doing right now in terms? of the rentals? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right now, unless you're finding off market deals or putting down a lot of equity, it's pretty tough to find cash filling deals. Uh, Short-term rentals are maybe an exception to that, but I don't know. I I feel like the the inventory of short-term rentals is exploding right now. And I do... I own one. Uh, worry a little bit about the the oversaturation of the short term rental market, um, but midterm I think is like a, is an interesting thing um, because one short yeah like you said traveling nurses but I think it's like the work from home thing like people can work from anywhere right now and if you're like uh, don't have kids or if you're single and you just want to go work for Miami for a month and check it out. Like that sounds pretty fun and you can afford it. So like that would be really cool. And from an investor standpoint, it's less wear and tear, less turnover than a short-term rental, but you're getting an elevated, you know, adult, you know, average daily rate, if you will, you know, like on a day-to-day basis, a short-term rental generates way more income than a, than a long-term rental. And the midterm is some somewhere in between. So I, I don't know if I'm curious if this is a long-term trend or if it's sort of like a co- post-COVID yeah. work from home thing. Um, but in the short term, it, it does seem to be working really well for people. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, listen, I don't want to take up all of your day. Uh, two, two more quick questions for you. Maybe they're not quick, but two more questions for you. Number one, what are you, what is your personal real estate business look like? And what, is, what are your plans for yourself and your own business over the next couple of years? Like what kind of a business do you have now and what are you trying to build? Yeah. So I right now am mostly invested in Denver um, and single family homes. I do have one short-term rental in the mountains in Colorado in a, in a ski town. Um, I am actively looking for some places actually down in Texas right now. Okay. Um, I just, I like the macroeconomics there. Um, and then I invest a lot in syndications right now because I, I live in Europe. And so it's a little bit harder for me to find deals because I can't see anything in person. And yeah. um, I am trying to get back into that, but I do invest passively. And uh, my my plan is is to continue what I've always tried to do, which is sort of a dollar cost averaging strategy. Okay. And for anyone who's listening who isn't familiar, it's sort of borrowed from the the stock market, where basically you buy at regular intervals, no matter what's happening in the market. And that's sort of my philosophy: is like if I buy every year, let's just say make the numbers easy. If I put a hundred grand in every year and buy a rental. Sometimes I'm going to get an amazing deal. Sometimes I'm going to get a bad deal. Yeah. But over the long term, you're going to average out. And as you said at the top of the show, the average continues going up over the long run. Yeah. And there is, um, I'll use some data terms, what you're saying about going up and down the short term, we call it variance. So there is okay. variance in, in the housing market. It does go up and down, but the trend is always upward. And so if you can attach your investing strategy to that upward trajectory, and not try and time the market by just continuing yeah. to buy no matter what's going on. Again, good deals, not just like something that's you at random you find on Zillow. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's sort of my plan, and you know, I I hope to keep working at Bigger Pockets for another you know five or ten years, and uh, I like working, and so I'm going to keep doing that. At some point, I'll probably turn to becoming a full time real estate investor. Yeah. Um, but that's not really on my immediate horizon. Gotcha. Second question, uh, what can people expect? What can they look forward to? Maybe give them a little bit more of a teaser about your podcast. What? I, and I, I love it, by the way, because I think, before you answer the question, I'll tell you why I think that that podcast is genius. Because you're doing the work that 99% of investors don't have the patience or don't have the capacity or whatever. We just don't want to have to do that sort of deep dive into the numbers. We would rather go out and buy properties and sell properties. And so if we can plug into something that will sort of distill everything we hear out there into something that we, you know, bite-sized chunks that we can use and apply to our business, it's brilliant. It's like if you can provide something to somebody that they either can't or won't do for themselves, there you go, right? And I think that's what that's you've done. It, so, right? so maybe give us a well, little bit you. of a yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I I mean that for sure. But can you give people a better idea of what they can expect if they tune in? What types of things you're going to be doing in the future? Give a little little peek behind the curtain. Yeah, absolutely. I think our, our whole philosophy is really that there are a lot of great resources, podcasts like this one that teach you um, about the tactical elements of real estate investing. How to go find a deal? Here's what I did. This kind of stuff. The gap in the market that I saw is just a high level strategic analysis of like capital allocation. How much money should you be putting into real estate versus the stock market? You know, what is 
the deal with 3D printed homes? Is that like real? Should we be looking at that? You know, like, I love I that there's a, I love that there's a Jerry Seinfeld aspect. Of, what's the deal with printed homes? I yeah, mean, exactly. are they printed? Or, yeah, I love it. But it, <laughs> I didn't even, yeah, you're right. I should do a whole stand-up bit about it. That's great. But it's true. It's like, what is going on with all these trends? I think we're sort of at, for better or worse, it feels like the economy is changing a lot and we don't exactly know what's going to happen. And I think an analysis and continuous reanalysis of what, of what is happening is necessary. So how we do that is by bringing in multiple real estate investors who have a diverse set of opinions, people who we have, uh, one woman, Kathy Fecky, who's a developer. Uh, you know, we have James Daynard, who's a big flipper. We have buy and hold investors, wholesalers. Yep. Uh, so all sorts of people who can offer their perspective. And then we all just try and learn together. So we're inviting on economists uh, and people who can teach us about these really important trends. People who are experts in inflation and asset protection. Mm. Uh, it, people who um, are actively investing in the metaverse. People who uh, are using cryptocurrency to tokenize their properties. You know, there's all this stuff I don't know anything about, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And but it's important. And I, you know, I think it, it, it's easy to sort of like, be like, oh, the metaverse is stupid. But like, is it? I don't. I don't know. And like, I think we should. Fig- I think we should figure that out and all learn together. Because. Yeah. There's always going to be something new. There's always going to be something interesting totally. um, that can give you an advantage as an investor. And that's what we're trying to uncover. I love it. Yeah. I think there were probably people back in the early 90s, late 80s that said, the internet's stupid. The internet's stupid. You know. So you're right. We have to know about these things. And I, I'm with you. I love bringing people on who know things that I don't know anything about or I'm just completely you know, behind in my knowledge. So uh, and to that end, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, I always love having people on that are way smarter than me that I can ask silly questions to and get like really good answers that come out of it. So uh, thank you for doing that. And thanks for helping us kind of uh, clear up a a little bit for as much as we can, right? It's a murky sort of future that we're looking into, but there are some things that can help you, like you said, uh, from a probability standpoint, kind of predict to, to some level of accuracy what what should happen or what we see that could happen. So thanks again for doing this, man. Guys, uh, go check out On The Market on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, check out David's podcast. It's great. I listen to it. Uh, you're you're a pro. I don't know if you've ever been on a lot of podcasts or you speak for anything that you've done in your life, but you're really good on mic and you're very professional and you keep things moving. So I know that that's, there's a skill set there too, right? It's not, everyone can't do that very easily. So you do a great job. Uh, they picked a real, a real good guy to do that. So congratulations and all the success in the world to you. Oh, thanks, Mike. Well, coming from a, a seasoned veteran like you, I, I really appreciate that. And it was a pleasure. You you are you are very uh, modest. You ask very good questions and and are clearly a very smart investor. But I, <laughs> I, I uh, enjoyed this a lot. So thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I really was excited to hop on with Dave. He is uh, he analyzes the market, and right now, like one of the most common questions I get is, "What's going on in the market? What's going to happen to house prices? Should I be investing now?" And I think we answered those questions for you to the best of anybody's ability. Like I said during the show, I don't think anyone knows for sure. Like nobody knows for sure. I don't care what you hear out there. People do not know a hundred percent what's going to happen. They only can 
guess based on data, past you know historical things that have happened in, in the market. So this is as good as it gets, is sort of looking at things objectively and applying some data to that and knowing what the probability of different things happening. So the bottom line though, is like he said, like I've said a million times, get out there, don't stop, don't, don't wait and try to time the market before you jump in or buy a property. Get a good deal when there's a good deal and it'll always make sense. All right, guys, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Time.